Lord God, wake us up to a worship for you now this fall. In the midst of all this struggle, may our worship not stop. And all of God's people said, well, it's great to be here with you this morning. Great to be celebrating with you and to be making much of our God. And uh, man, we are here to be truly lit on fire, right? And we're in a series called Light the Fire. Light the Fire. We're talking about a church on fire. We're talking about each of us individually going after it. May our God truly get all the celebration. And it's so easy for us to get distracted in the things of this world, whether it be hurts or heartaches or disappointments or honestly just passions and loves and desires. And we start going off on and we start losing track of what our God is all about. This is all about a church that is celebrating our King first and foremost. Ready? And all of God's people said, amen, man. So we're turning, turn with me, if you will, to 1 Timothy chapter 3, starting in verse 1. 1 Timothy 3, as we jump into this next chapter, and, you know, we've been talking through the message of the church. We landed that in chapter 1, and then we started into the members of the church, the members of the church, which is really chapters 2 and 3 now. And so as we dive into chapter 3, we're starting out here at the beginning with members. This is talking about the dedicated elders. If you remember last week, we talked a little bit about, um, well, two weeks ago actually, was the allness of the body. And then last week was the role of men and the role of women and very specific callings there. And now we're looking at a very specific, unique calling to the sum of the men, which is eldership that key leadership within the church to go after continuing to direct and lead the church in a way that honors God, all right? So this is the sum of the men and the leadership of, and uh, honestly though, it actually is a great target for all of us to be going after, both men and women. These are great statements, but uh, some of the men and the requirements for eldership here as we go through it. So point number one, ensure that Elders are men who manage their own lives well. Ensure that elders are men who manage their own lives well. This is really going to be broken down into two pieces today. It's kind of how the elders work uh, individually with themselves and then also within their family and with others, all right? So individually first, he starts out, this saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer or elder, if you will, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be, and then he goes on from there. He says, this saying is trustworthy. In fact, this phrase is used five different times in the Pauline epistles, and each time that he uses it, he's talking about a thunderous statement, usually about the salvation that comes with God. Here he's tying it to what looks like, if he's connecting it forward here, to this overseer statement. He's saying, this saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, if anyone values, if anyone is willing to be, if anyone is looking towards what it might look like to be an elder or an overseer or a pastor, just so you know, those three words are interchangeable. You see them used across scripture, sometimes used in the same verse, sometimes leading into one or the other. And so overseer, uh, which really speaks more to the responsibility and the authority in leading within the church, overseer, uh, that's one of the Greek words. The other one is elder, which speaks more to a matureness or a wisdom, the ability to decide things, that's an elder. And then a pastor is like a caretaker and a shepherd. 
And all three of those become interchangeable, and this is really a statement here about what that looks like. In our church, we have a pastoral staff, and those are people that are working throughout the week to be caring, carrying that pastor title, and then we also have an elder board, and we make decisions from that elder board, doctrine, discipline, and direction coming from the eldership. And so all of these words overlapping together, it says, he desires a noble task, or literally a good and beautiful task before God, a good and beautiful task before the character of God, putting God on display. And again, some men are called to this leadership, to eldership, and some are to be going after this high calling and what that looks like. He says, therefore, an overseer must be. And when we see the word therefore, we say, Right? What's the therefore, therefore? And he just got done saying, hey, this is this unbelievable calling. And because it's an unbelievable calling, here's some things that must be. Everybody say must be. Like this isn't an option. These are the requirements for being an elder. All right. He says, therefore, an overseer must be a non-negotiables first above reproach. Uh, it must be an interaction where no one can actually bring an accusation of wrong. Right? They can't grab a hold and ch- start to accuse because of the way words are used or the way actions are made. Um, it doesn't mean that there's never sin or a mistake, but there was apology, there was confession, things were righted and restored, right? But there's no ongoing moment where there's just this ability to grab hold and to accuse. Uh, the elder must be above reproach. This speaks of character, And this speaks of action, all right? Then it says, an elder must also be the husband of one wife. Uh, Literally in the Greek, this says a one-woman man. A one-woman man. Now, so let's state the obvious. So not a polygamist. (laughs) We all get that, right? Like not married to two, three, four, five women, not that. But it means so much more than that, all right? It's not talking about how many wives are you married to. It's talking also about having an eye that does not wander in a heart that is focused on this one wife that you are married to. To be able to care in a massive way for, to not have an eye that drifts or a heart that wanders in any way. And by the way, I would say as well, to be a one-woman man, there's also the possibilities like if there was something that happened in the marriage, a biblical divorce, maybe the wife had an affair in some way, it wasn't his issue or his responsibility in any way, and she chose to walk away from the marriage. Like where there's a biblical divorce, there's still a truth to this eye and heart not wandering and committed to. And if there's even, I would say, if there's somebody who's um, been widowed, They've lost their loved one, and they absolutely had a heart for them. Absolutely. That's still meeting the, the qualifications here of a one-woman man, all right? This really speaks to the heart of hanging in there with your spouse and loving on them with all you've got, okay? Dedication. And uh, it's important that this uh, elder have a dedication towards his spouse committed into the family. And then sober-minded and self-controlled. This is really as relates to self, sober-minded and self-controlled, like clear thinking and able to put his own desires in check. Sober-minded and self-controlled, able to put self in check and hang on. Being able to say no to self is a really big deal. 
And we would find that often, right? As we interact with somebody who can't say no to self, you tend to notice it pretty fast. Like they wash on your shore real easily, right? And you tend to have to experience a lot of them in the midst of that. That is definitely not the goal of an elder. Uh, Sober-minded, self-controlled, being able to manage the thinking and the wanting. And then, as it relates to others, respectable and hospitable. Respectable and hospitable. You know, these words are actually, the word respectable there is the exact same word that was used last week when it was speaking um, to ladies, and it was connected with the word modesty as well. And, and we talked about that in depth, and it, it means very specifically to have a passion and a love for what God loves, to grasp the goodness of things, to stand against evil, all of that sort of built in. So this respectable, standing for what is good, both in this world and with your God. And then hospitable, able to and willing to use what you possess or own, both home, finances, to be able to care for others. To be able to have others over to the house, to enjoy a time of laughter for an evening. To be able to grill out in the back patio and spend some time together. To be able to share some of what God has entrusted to you with others and care for them. Hospitable. That's a huge deal. And so you're looking at the heart of an elder as you move forward here. There's high character. There's high quality. There's caring for other people. And there's understanding and placing God at the top. Man, this is an absolute quality individual that God is working with. And, uh, and then it says, able to teach. And I will say next week it's going to talk a little bit about the word deacons and the only difference in the lists, really, there's a couple of subtle differences, but the one major difference is this phrase right here, able to teach. An elder has to be able to take the information of scripture and to be able to reveal out. Maybe it's one-on-one, maybe it's one-on-many, but being able to communicate out the truth of God's word and the pragmatics of what's going on and being able to take someone forward in their walk with their God. To be able to help shape, maybe it's in the impact group arena, maybe it's in a counseling arena, maybe it's just in a life and living arena, but being able to teach along the way, absolutely essential for an elder. Has to be clearly articulate with his words and being able to communicate, all right? And then he turns towards some knots. Um, Not a drunkard. Um, Hopefully that's pretty obvious, right? But not taken aback by drink. Not um, captured by the alcohol. And I will say this, this doesn't mean abstinence. It doesn't mean never has a drink or never had a drink, but certainly never out of control, never overindulgence, absolutely managed well, not a drunkard. And uh, just to be super clear, we as a pastoral staff, like at the pastor level, we just take a stand that we're not going to have a drink. And it's not that scripture says thou shalt not have a drink. It's not that, but it's that we're wrestling with a lot of situations that come up where there is um, a lot of hurt and heartache around alcohol. And so we're just choosing to step back from it and to be able to care for. So man, if you're wrestling with alcohol, you're needing to set it down, we're with you, we love you, all right? And so we as a pastoral staff, we're not um, taking a drink. That's at our pastor level, a huge deal with that commitment. And uh, this here though doesn't mean not having any drink, it's more about um, making sure that it's always managed well and wisely, not a drunkard. And uh, not violent, but gentle, and not quarrelsome. 
not violent, but gentle, not quarrelsome. Basically a peacemaker. Not physically aggressive, not verbally aggressive. Right? An elder needs to make sure that they're establishing peace both in their home, in this world, in the church, bringing a unity along the way. And not violent, uh, but gentle. And uh, using his words for building up, not for tearing down. Right? For unifying, not dividing. Absolutely essential that we're not violent, uh, but gentle. Not quarrelsome. That word means bringing many words to battle just so you can win. Okay? Not that. And, uh, and then it says, not a lover of money. And uh, just to be super clear, this does not mean doesn't have money. Right? Those are very different things. Not a lover of money, meaning like he knows how to handle his money well. His money doesn't handle him. Right? Understand the difference? Like it's the ability to manage finances wisely. The ability to not be taken aback by and always longing for the next possession and the next cash flow. By the way, if you're able to manage your money well, oftentimes it might be that God's even blessing with more of that. And so it's not about not having money. It's about having abilities with that cash flow to be wise in the management of it and allowing God to be able to be glorified in it, right? Not a lover of money. And uh, by the way, Scripture's super clear that you cannot love both, ready to fill it in? You cannot love both God and money. Did you know that? And it's a pretty huge deal if you're like, that's it, I need it to be all about the cash. It will take your heart. That's a major problem. And so this is a huge deal. Not a lover of money. A good manager of money, wise to it. And doesn't mean doesn't have any of it, means super wise with it and doing well with it, all right? That's an elder. Man, if you look at this list, this is somebody that you really actually respect. They have an impact in the community, an impact in the church. They have an impact in their family, and God knows what's going on as he's working with them. This is the responsibility of an elder. And uh, I just want to make sure you know who our elders are. We actually, like I said, we have a pastoral staff. You get to see a lot of our staff in the various ministries. But our elders are actually board-serving elders, and we have six elders. Let's go ahead and throw that photo up. And so this gives you some of the images, some of the understanding of who our elders are. So myself and Pastor Kent, we're the two staff-side elders uh, right now serving on the elder board, and that's the two of us. And then the other four guys are... Uh, lay, that means they actually work in the business world here or are retired. They had worked in the business world and they are faithful in serving in this church and these are board serving elders with us. Steve Belzer is our chairman and uh, he and I will meet uh, typically about every other week on a Tuesday morning early and kind of getting set the agenda for that week and then Wednesday night we'll meet. And then Phil King, John Creekmer, and Steve Hutton are a key part of this elder board as well. And so the six of us meet, just so you know, when the six of us are making a decision, it has to be absolutely that we have agreed by consensus, right? That does mean there's a unanimous element to it. It's not, you know, four out of six or whatever. It's a unanimous agreement as we move. It's not necessarily that everybody would say that would be my absolute first choice, but we absolutely see that choice as being biblical, God-honoring, God-aligned, and it may be my second or whatever, but I can definitely live with it. And with the personalities of all of us, God so builds a strength into this church to bring an agreement. And I, man, I'm just telling you, I love working with these guys. They crush it for the kingdom. 
They love the Lord with all they've got. And our elders are killing it and being able to bring a protection to this body. And man, these uh, statements here in this passage mean so much. And uh, it's a great honor to be able to serve with them and be a part of it with them. We'll talk a little bit more about eldership in just a second in the second half. But um, I just want to say as well, just a little update on one of our elders, um, Pastor Kent. Um, I love Pastor Kent. We've been able to serve together this whole time and a sweet privilege here as we've worked together. And uh, Pastor Kent turned 65 this past year and uh, so has decided to uh, go ahead and retire at the end of this year and stepping into next. So Pastor Kent will be retiring. I just love being able to be a part of a ministry where we're able to work together and move to a point where we can retire pastors and love the whole journey along the way, and uh, love you, man, super celebratory for that. So just so you know, we're going to be doing something for Kent and Becky and, and uh, being able to have a going away or a retirement kind of celebrate, probably at the beginning of December somewhere, we're still working those details out. But I just want you to know that that's going on, and uh, Kent, love you, man, and uh, love working with you. So appreciate you, bro. Yep, love you. My man. It's a huge deal. So obviously Kent's served a big role here and so some of those roles we've been kind of spreading out to some of our other staff and they've been taking pieces of that and then part of his role we're actually going to be hiring in and that's going on even now. We're looking to try to fill that position and hire uh, soon and very soon. That's our hope, right? And uh, so may God get all the glory in that. And uh, so, as we talk about elders, that does mean that somebody will be coming off the elder board here, and we'll be looking at what that means for being able to grow this elder board and make sense out of that, all right? May God get the glory as we walk according to 1 Timothy 3. We take it seriously, and I want you to know that the elders that we have meet these qualifications to a T. God gets all the glory, and all of God's people said, huge deal. So as we go after it, Maybe it's fair to even say, Lord God, what can I be going after? What can be shaped in my life that something might be a little bit more honoring to you? And may these lists actually be a challenge to say, Lord, I long to be able to see this grow in my life, okay? Point number two, ensure. Ensure that elders work with and manage others well. Ensure that other elders work with and manage others well. Now he's turning the corner. He was talking about elders having this personal commitment to the Lord. Now he's talking about how they work in the family and in the community and uh, working with others well. So here we go. An elder must manage his own household well. An elder must manage his own household well. This word manage is very broad in its uh, implications. It would imply that you're working relationally and spiritually and financially in your home. And, and so this is a high calling to be able to work with your family in a caring, protective way. Elders must be relationally, spiritually, and financially going after it. And quite frankly, there must be some level of direction in the home, but then also discipline that gets brought. And for elders who have kids that are younger, right, for pastors who have kids that are younger, the responsibility to be able to help manage and lean in on that and bring that. I'll just say it this way. Elders' responsibility, part of it is being. Part of the elders' responsibility is being. And the other part of an elder's responsibility is helping others be. 
That's another part of the responsibility of an elder, is to help another be, to go after that shaping together. It says he must manage his own household well with all dignity. That means you're honoring God and you're caring for others. With all dignity. It means you're not tearing yourself down, you're not tearing the other down. You're being able to care for into the family and protect with all you've got. And then it says, keeping his children submissive. Keeping his children submissive. And uh, let's talk that through a little bit. So, first of all, the word children there. This is a word that means littler ones. The word technos in the Greek, it means younger ones. Ones where you're still actively parenting, all right? So this is not talking about those in their 20s and 30s and 50s, and you're not talking about kids at that age, but you're talking about kids in the younger where you're having an opportunity to influence and parent still. It's using the word for the younger ones. Probably fair to say, you know, like high school and down or maybe, maybe even college and down, depending on how college works for that child and are they out of the house and are they uh, leaning on you or not for that stuff, but basically are they under your parenting? There's some level of responsibility for us to keep things in order. He says to keep them submissive. That means that they end up grasping what's important and they get on that with you. And uh, super important that we grasp and understand that this is how to align the family properly. But be careful with this. Man, that this does not say an elder must have perfect children. Everybody say, not that. Like if you say that, 1 John 1 says, actually, all human beings are with sin. If you say you're without sin, you're lying. And it's not the truth. And so it would be deeply unfair to start to all of a sudden say, if you started to become an elder or a pastor, that that's it. Your kids have to be perfect now. Like not that. But it does mean that in the midst of it, there is an addressing when things go wrong. There is a coming alongside when it's hard. There is a willing to speak in when something needs to be disciplined and you're managing that and helping through that. That's absolutely essential. And that there is some level of bending, some responding from the child and coming around on that. That's important too. That there's some level of turning from in the midst. So mistakes may be made. Discipline will be had. Addressing will happen. That's actually called active parenting. And all of God's parents said, and that's a huge deal, that we grasp that there is an actual call for us to actively shepherd in our homes and that we're not at the same time calling our kids to just be perfect. This is not a call to perfectionism. And this is also not an allowance to permissiveness. It's not perfectionism, but it's not permissiveness. It's in the middle, it's partnering, and it's coming alongside, it's hurting with it's longing for, it's disciplining into, it's helping your kids come along. It's actively involved in the process. Family, man, it can bring a lot of smiles, it can bring a lot of tears, it can bring a lot of joy. And uh, so speaking of that, <laughs> yeah. so let's go ahead and throw this photo up. So... Yeah, welcome to Everett, Timothy Holt. Man, praise God. <laughs> yeah, I have yet to meet him. So uh, I'm telling you what, COVID has a lot of problems to it. This is now number one in my book. You know what I'm saying? 
But uh, I'm just saying, uh, love to be able to meet him hopefully today, maybe tomorrow. We'll see how it goes with all the processing and whatever. But uh, so excited for what's going on, man. We have our first grandchild and we're just praying for our kids and praying for their fam and longing for them. And uh, this was having a baby 1940s style. I mean, the only thing that was missing was a cigar. I'm sitting at home waiting for an update of what's happening, and I can't go anywhere near the hospital, and like, it was just bizarre, right? And uh, so, uh, Pastor Larry and Heather, and for Jana and myself, man, we're just super excited to be grandparents, can't wait to be able to meet little Everett Timothy, and to be able to celebrate with the fam with a lot of smiles, so praise God for family. Ready? And all of God's people said, amen. Amen, appreciate you guys on that. All right, I don't care about where I'm at now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let's jump back in. So, uh, for if someone does not, sorry about that. We'll recatch it here. For if someone does not know how to handle his own household, how will he care for God's church? If someone does not know how to handle his own household, how will he care for God's church? And, um, man, we have a natural love. For our kids, we have a natural passion for our grandkids. We have a natural hope and desire that things go the right way and we long and we hurt along the way with them. May we step in and may we come alongside. And he's like, I'm just telling you, if you're not coming alongside in the fam, if you're missing that, then, then man, hold back on the eldering. There's something else that needs to happen because let that heartache and let that joy lead you to shepherd well and love on your family with all you've got. What a privilege. And as you begin to love and care for your family, as your heart breaks into your family, as your heart wells up with joy for the joys in your family, man, know this, you're beginning to grasp what it looks like to invest fully. And I'm just telling you, our elders are invested fully into your life. They love you with all they've got. I know Steve and I talk regularly. Steve Belzer and I talk regularly as we talk on Tuesdays prepping. And I love one of his statements. He says it pretty often is, we will never, ever do harm to the church just to benefit self. Man, you've got to grasp that that's the heart of this elder board. We will never, ever do harm to this church just to benefit self. There's no way. And uh, we long for God to get the glory as we lean in with you guys and we do life side by side. We love you with all we got, okay? All right. And uh, So you might ask, well, I'm not sure exactly what an elder does and how does he care and love along the way. I'll just use these words real quickly. Doctrine, discipline, and direction. Doctrine, discipline, and direction. Those are the three D's that we go after every week. In fact, it is our agenda. First, we have a meal together, then we pray together, and then we go doctrine, and then discipline, and then direction. And we walk it through. So doctrine. We as elders make sure that the teaching of this church stays in alignment with what God's word says, okay? That's true in the impact groups, that's true of my preaching and teaching, that's true of men's and women's, that's true of all of our kids' ministries. If there's any doctrinal issue, the elders will watch and deal with that. Praise God, this is almost never a topic in our agenda that we have to get after. 
So praise God for that as we uh, celebrate a church that's on fire and very directive in nature. Uh, the next one, though, is discipline. That's coming alongside those that are hurting, coming alongside of those that are making some, worse, some bad choices in their life and things are getting worse. The, the sin is a struggle, and we're coming alongside and hurting with that along the way, right? And that as we come alongside the sin, we're calling them to set it down and see it change. And that starts one-on-one and then two-on-one and then finally the elders getting invested and then uh, bringing that even uh, to a higher level. And our job in that is to care for the families and protect with all we've got. We do get involved in the discipline elements. And then the last one is direction. And this is really the majority of what we as elders go after, kind of dealing with it at the 10,000-foot level. But we basically are uh, approving top-level budgets. We're helping ministry focuses get decision making on that and uh, we're going after crisis management like what are we doing (laughs) when they announce that COVID is coming to a lockdown and how do we handle the next and that's a crisis sit down and a talk through and proposals getting made and praying through things and wise to scripture and working that all out and then the decision at the 10,000 foot level gets made that comes over to me and then I bring it to staff and we bring that down into the five foot level and make it happen. Okay, and so the elders making the decisions at the top level and then the staff executing that out. Those just kind of a, gives you an understanding of the elder board, doctrine, discipline, and direction. It says an elder must um, not be a recent convert or he may become puffed up with conceit. An elder must not be a recent convert or he may become puffed up with conceit. In other words, an elder needs to be mature in his faith Trusting Christ for a good long season, growing in who he is, and displaying all those character traits we already went through in verses one through three, okay? And a long-term believer, mature in what's going on. And uh, it's a huge deal that he's been following Jesus for a number of years. And you know, it doesn't mean that he hasn't tasted of sin in his past, but it does mean it's well in the past and it's over There was repentance, it's done, it's way gone in the past, and he is a matured believer in his walk, and he's following with Jesus Christ. That is a huge deal to grasp, and uh, he's a long-term believer, and he's mature. I'll just use these phrases. Eldership is not an accomplishment, it's a responsibility. Eldership is not an accomplishment, it's a responsibility. And uh, here's another one. Eldership is not a title, it's a trust. Eldership is not a title, it's a trust. It's a great privilege and it's a great honor to be serving as an elder in this church. And I'm just telling you, it's not to try to achieve some title. It's not trying to get to some other level. It's, Lord God, I'm just being faithful with my walk and with you and whatever you so see fit and allowing yourself to shepherd in more and more along the way. May God get all the glory. Okay, it's a huge deal that we grasp that. He says, you don't want to be a recent convert, otherwise you may get puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. And this is a spiritual war. Uh, You've heard me say that a number of times. This is a spiritual battle. It is a fight for souls to tear down. And Satan is going after it. Maybe going after each of us as adult individuals. Maybe going after our families And our kids, know this, this is a spiritual war. And know this, 
Satan is not toying around anymore. Like it's gotten hot in this America and it's going to get hotter. Get ready, men, to take a stand with your family, to teach what it is to follow God's word on our knees, worshiping and praying to him. Not trying to just get some arrogance moment where we fan the flame on pride, but longing for God to get all the glory. May we go after this spiritual war, taking our families before our king and honoring him. Ready? And all of God's families say, huge deal, man, that we grasp the importance of going after that. And uh, my request, would you just pray for leadership and pray for their families? Pray for pastors and their fams. Pray for elders and their fams. And just be praying for all that's going on, for all the uncertainties, for all the unassurednesses, for all the attacks. Lord God, may we stand up under and may you get all the glory. Okay? Huge deal. He says, moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders. Well thought of by outsiders, like kind and honorable and of high integrity in your workplace. Make sure that you are actually working in the workplace knowing that Jesus Christ is your king. Make sure that you're honoring your God with your words and with your action. Make sure that your decisions are actually honoring Jesus Christ every day in every way as you're like, Lord, I'm ready for you to be worshiped in my life. Man, don't make it where six and a half days a week you have another life, but then you come into church and there's some fired up worship for a little over an hour. That's great that there's the fired up worship, but may it be all week long, may we bring our worship to our God and make much of him. Truly, may outsiders look and say, that guy really has a heart for other people. He is honorable. He has high integrity. He cares for others. Not just in the church, but in the secular world. May God get all the glory. He says, so that he may not fall into disgrace, into a snare of the devil. So that he may not fall into disgrace, into the snare of the devil. You know, the, the problem with getting away with sin is you start to think you can get away with it. The problem with getting into something that's actually going to tear you down is it can tear you down violently as you begin to think you're bigger than it, you've got it. Man, don't let sin take over in your life. Get serious about the repentance. Get serious about how you treat your spouse. Serious about how you treat your kids. Serious about bringing a love into the home and caring for them with all you've got. Serious about how you work with your coworkers, bringing a love for them and a care for them. A word that you know would honor God. And may he get all the glory. Be careful as we start to fan the flame on pride and self and sin. It gets easy to drag ourselves down into some horrible disgrace where somebody could say, dude, I work with that guy. He is so not fill in the blank. May that not be who we are. May we all be a church that goes after these character traits. And may we make sure that along the journey, our elders are always top shelf, got it together, honoring God, and humble as all get out, realizing we are all just one or two seriously bad decisions 
from bringing disgrace on ourselves. May God get all the glory. Ready? And all of God's people said, please hear me, man. Our call is to give our whole heart to our king. It's not just a call for a few and then the rest, we all just kind of go after whatever. No, it's a call for all of us. And Lord God, from all of us to the very top, may we all have a heart on fire for Jesus Christ, honoring him with all we've got, taking care of fam, hurting and crying into problems, laughing and joyous when things are going well, making much of our God along the way. May he be our king. And all of God's people said, amen, man. Let's pray.